finishing the book of Joshua today. And it has been a wonderful journey. We are in the last chapter, chapter 24. And I like it because it's been Thanksgiving. And and I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving, when I say it, it it conjures in my mind family times. It conjures in my mind uh, turkey and mashed potatoes and all those things. But it's a time of we thank God for what he's done for us as Christians. We look back to how he's been faithful to our country and think of Thanksgiving being established some, oh, 250, 300 years ago. So it's neat that what we get to think about today is to be a testimony, a witness to a God that has been faithful, not for a year, not for our lifetimes, not for the lifetime of our country, but going back thousands of years. Because that's what we've been studying in Joshua, isn't it? It's a book that is literally thousands of years old. It's amazing. We turn to this, this, these written words that are so old, and we, from them, learn of God. He's our God. He's the same God. But he is so amazingly faithful all the way through. And, and I want you to see that today as we finish, as we finish Joshua. It's been a wonderful book. It's more than history, but, but it, it certainly recounts the giving of the land as God took his people into the land, the people that he delivered from Egypt. And he gave them this amazing land. And he was to dwell among them and be their God. And incredible. We saw the sun stand still. We saw hail falling from heaven. We saw this amazing God that fights for his people. And now at the end, for three times, Joshua has, at the end of his life, this great leader, has pulled his people in and is talking to them three times. This is the last time we finish here. He's old. He's in his 90s. And even people who are 90 say 90 is old. And you start getting older, and this is the final time. And then in this chapter, the last little piece, we've covered it already, is when he he dies. This is the end. So I want to take a little time this morning and go through the text and expose you to this text and and show you the wonder of being a witness. A witness to the faithfulness of God. A witness to the reasonableness of of responding to him, and they have that response. And then the the truth about how things go. And I label this, you can't. Uh, We'll get to that at the end. But it starts with just thinking about how amazing God is. So come with me. And witness to a really faithful, really amazing God. Our God. Your God. Joshua chapter 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. So again, end of his life, Joshua gathering all the people, the the heads and the chiefs and the the people together, and they are presenting themselves before God. There's a message Joshua wants to give them from God. Here it is. And Joshua said to all the people, verse 2, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel. Okay, we're listening. God's going to talk. I want to know what it is. And he says this, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river 
and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. Okay, he starts, and he starts with stuff that we, we know of, if you know the Bible at all, and you've followed the story even of Joshua, that, that there's a history, and the history stretches way back to Abraham, Father Abraham to these people. What we're, and the interesting thing is, it's these five verbs essentially that are used here of all actions, and they're all actions that God does. None of it is things that they do. Right? He says, he says he took Abraham from serving other gods, Abraham's father. He, he didn't do it himself. And, and then he gave Isaac, and, and our minds go to that story about how Abraham and Sarah were old, and, and, and Sarah's laughing at the idea that she could have a child, and, and so they called the, this child of promise in their old age Isaac. And then there's Jacob and, and Esau, and God sent Moses and Aaron. They didn't somehow show up. God sent them, and, and God plagued their enemies, and he, he brought them out from, from Egypt. So it gets maybe a little passe to our ears, but it shouldn't. God is faithful. He acts for his people. He, he's, the history of this people that he's talking to has been the faithful care of God for them. And even as they experience difficult things, I mean, they experienced slavery in Egypt. But the reality is God had a plan, and he was, he was moving to save his people and to care for them. And, and you get this picture of God that just active for his people. Not just, not just in a general way, but specific. And he gets specific with, with these people. He said, then I, I brought your fathers out of Egypt, he says in verse 8. And you came to the sea. And the Egyptians, they pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to Yahweh, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Remember that, how God just totally delivered them out of Egypt with all those chariots and they pounding, chasing them through the Red Sea and then the Red Sea closed on top of them. God did that. And your eyes saw, Joshua says, what I did in Egypt and you lived in the wilderness a long time. He goes right over there in faithfulness. The reason why they were in the wilderness a long time. And he says, then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. And, and, and I, I hope you're hearing as he goes through, as, as God gives this message through Joshua, it's all about what God does. He did it. These two kings that lived on the other side of the Jordan, he destroyed them. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan. You came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all those ites. <coughs> And I gave them into your hand. <laughs> That's what we've been studying in Joshua. That's what we 
seen God went before them. He's, he's leaving out stuff. He's not even putting in the stopping of the sun or the great hail or anything like that. He's just saying, hey, look, I, I did all these things. Look what God has done. Cause for thanksgiving. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. (laughs) It's never too much, precious people, to step back and say, don't we have an amazing God? What a wonderful God we have. I mean, you fought, sure, he says, but it wasn't your fighting that did a thing. It was me, says God. All your prosperity, all your success, even the wine and the oil that you use, they're just from me. I did this for you. I think there's a very real sense for them and, and, and down to us as we have a God who's like this, who's faithful all the time. It's just faithfulness and wonder and plan and good for us. Well, there should be Thanksgiving every day, right? I mean, it's not too much to say, boy, Thanksgiving is, is a state of heart that is responding to a God like this, and he's the same God, and, and we've watched it through Joshua as he did all these amazing, amazing things. So we bear witness to a God who's like this. Amazing God. You all have your own stories. We could take time and, and hear it about how God has taken care of us. But, but that's not for today. This is, I just want you to see, there's a witness to the absolute faithfulness and wonderfulness to God to these people. We witness it. We read about it. It's written down for us. There's another witness. There's a witness of a reasonable response. Right? God made this beautiful forest. and He blessed you with it. And he wants you to stay on the pathway through it. You would say... Of course. Wouldn't you? Because that's where Joshua goes, right? He says, now, therefore, he says, therefore, in light of all the things God has done for you, in light of this God who's just gone before you, not just today, not yesterday, not 10 years ago, but your parents and your parents' parents and your great-great-great-great-grandparents that you don't even remember, he has been faithful to all of them. So therefore, fear Yahweh. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve Yahweh. Oh, he says, hey, hey, normal, right? This is not like some, I'm twisting your arm here, guys. Uh, you really got to finagle you in here that you're going to respond to God this way. This is just think on the absolute goodness of God for you people of Israel, because that's who he's talking to. And, and then so the reasonable response, and we witnessed this, and I think we'd hopefully all say amen. Serve him. Like, like, like God took you, your, your Abraham, his dad was an idol worshiper beyond the river, and he took him out away from that. Look what he's done. These people in this land where we've just been through, they were worshipers of other gods. And look what God has done. He kicked them out, and he gave it to you. Therefore, then comes the verse that you've probably heard before. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve Yahweh, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. 
it's interesting, he, he gives them a choice, right? But there's kind of a little bit of a, a choice that's bringing out something. I hope you see it. He's bringing out this idea that, that, hey, if you think it's bad to serve, let me give you a couple other choices. If you want to be stupid, pick your poison. You could serve the gods that, that your great-great-great-grandfather served. They were nothing. Or you could serve the gods of the people that were here. Either one of them, it's the same. If you want to be dumb, let me give you some dumb options. But for me, I'm not dumb. Look at what God's done. Me and my house, we're serving Yahweh. The people say this. The people say, we're not dumb. They say, don't they? Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake Yahweh to serve other gods. Of course not. Are you kidding? Look at what he's done for us and for our families and for everything he's done so much. For it is Yahweh our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. And Yahweh drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore also we will serve Yahweh. He is our God. Yeah, he did it all. He took us out of slavery. He took us through this wilderness. He brought us to this land. He killed the giants. Oh, we're serving Yahweh. Hey, fantastic. They're not dumb. They're, this isn't like rocket science, huh? This is stuff you could easily see. These are guys who saw the sun stand still. These are guys who saw hail, massive rocks fall from the sky. These are guys who, guys who saw giants fleeing because Yahweh, who saw the fall of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Remember that story? Reasonable. Reasonable. Okay. Well, that's good. We understand God is uh, really fantastic and good all the time. We get that. It's good to hear it again. Thanks, Dax. It's nice to hear the reasonable, of course. I mean, God's so good to you. Why wouldn't you serve him? Awesome. We can be done. We can go home. Seahawks game is on. Wait a minute. The chapter's not done. There's something else happening. There's one more witness that you really need to see. The main witness of the chapter. I need to witness what the truth's going to be. Because look what Joshua says right here. 19, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve Yahweh. You are not able to serve Yahweh, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake Yahweh and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. What? Is he playing with them? No, no, no. You can't serve Yahweh, he says. What's the reason? Because he's like bottled lightning. Have you ever heard of bottled lightning? Oh, maybe I'll that. He's like a hand grenade. You're holding a hand grenade, a live hand grenade in your hand. Don't drop it. The plane has been pulled. Marvelous power can do amazing things. But if you handle it wrongly, what's going to happen? Badness for you. Not good. Bad, bad, bad. I don't think you can actually do this. You guys shouldn't touch this because you're going to mess up. Isn't that what he says? 
God is holy. If you don't do this right, he's going to turn. There's a turn here, and it's not that he's bad. It's that he, he cleans out yuck, and you're yuck. We're a witness to this. We're witnessing this. We're witnessing that Joshua laid it out for them, how important it was that they keep this, how, how deep it is, how, how, how God is, is not something common. He, he's something holy. He's, he's not profane. He's something marvelously pure. He's, he, he, he's higher and better and deeper, and he's in their midst. And this is, this is, a, this is a special thing. And, 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 and watch out. There's danger here. Watch out. And the people said, no, no, no. We will serve Yahweh. We're going to do it. We can do this. So then verse 22, Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen Yahweh to serve him. Okay, you're taking the grenade. You got the hot potato. It's yours. You get it? And they said, yeah. We're witnesses. And said, okay, then this is what you need to do. Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to Yahweh, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, Yahweh our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. This is why this is called the renewal of the covenant at Shechem. This is when they, they agreed again on the rules and the laws and all the things that Moses told him, that God would do blessing if they did good and cursing if they did bad. Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. That's the rules of the law. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and he set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of Yahweh. What's this stone? Why did he put a big rock there? Well, because Joshua said to all the people, verse 27, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of Yahweh that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest any of you deal falsely with your God. So then Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. That's the end. So what did he do? He got this big rock and he stuck it by and he said, you know what? The earth that is sitting here, the rocks that were talking around us, the very land hears this commitment that you make to God. It will be a witness against you if you don't keep the covenant. Then he's done. Okay, that's it. There's a witness. If they don't keep the covenant, they're insisting they would keep. But Joshua says, you can't. Then the very rocks will witness it. The ground will testify against them. And, and, then, the, and then basically Joshua ends. And Joshua's ended with this amazing testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness and power and strength for his people. That the reasonable responses they've had and, and, and their commitment to do it. How did they do? This is a deep, deep thing. How did they do? 
I mean, isn't this the story? This is a, this is this, this is why we're reading this. This is thousands of years ago, not 50 years ago. This is thousands of years to go by of people that making this commitment of being part of this commitment to actually say, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow the ways of the Lord. It doesn't take much though. If you have your Bible and, and you're on this page and, and you flip one page, if you have a study Bible, you might have to pick one or two and you just go to the next book. The next book is called Judges. Judges is a, a book about uh, the time period after Joshua. And at the beginning of Judges, uh, chapter 1 kind of introduces it, and then chapter 2 starts. So if you read chapter 2, let me just put, put a little on the wall. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh and served the Baals. What's that? Foreign false gods, right? They abandoned Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of their land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked Yahweh to anger. They abandoned Yahweh and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. What? Now, these are their kids, right? So, well, they were faithful and they did everything, but then their kids. So they must have been bad teachers. No, I don't think, I, man, if I was growing up and I had experienced the miracles, I don't think I would stop telling my kids about how God made the sun stand still. I want to tell them. What's their problem? What's your response to that? My response to that is these dodo heads. Maybe the next kids, but then you watch and you, you read Judges and it's a cycle, right? 13 times. You get the cycle of the Judges. The people sin and they wander and they serve other gods and then they, things go badly for them because that's how it works if you do these things. And then, and, and then they cry out to God and God comes and delivers them through a deliverer, a judge. And, and then they go through the cycle again. And therefore you have guys like Samson that you've maybe heard of. Gideon. And it doesn't stop there. Then they get a king, and they, they, they clamor for a king because the other nations have a king. And so God says, fine, I'll give you a king. I'll give you Saul. And finally, you get David, and say, oh, well, David's a good guy, and everything's going to go well. They'll hold it together now. They had a little blip, but they'll hold this covenant that they made. They'll keep, and they'll do well. And, and, but, but if you read the kings, you realize how terrible, mind-numbingly terrible it is. So many kings, you can't even remember all their names. Kings of the north and kings of the south. And they, 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 well, what are they doing? They're not keeping the covenant, right? So you get like, in, I'll read you a couple just to see. There's Psalm 78, verse 55. He drove out the nations before them. This is what God did for them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Oh, what a great God they have. That they tested and rebelled against the Most High. Yeah. They did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. By the time after David, you get these, 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 these prophets come and for example, Ezekiel, where you have Ezekiel peering in, given this vision, where he's peering into the inner places of the temple, and he's seeing the perversions that the priests are doing. And then he keeps back and he watches as the glory of the Lord, God dwelling among them, goes up from the temple and away, away from the mountain. Because God doesn't want to be with, cannot be with these people. 
You get Hosea. You guys know Hosea, right? Hosea, where, where you actually get this, that, that God says to his prophet, you need to go marry a prostitute. Because that's what Israel has been to me, serially unfaithful. And he says in Hosea chapter 4, for example, he says, Hear the word of Yahweh, O children of Israel. The Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing and lying and murder and stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. This is just before we think that, that, that Israel gets taken out of the land and goes to Assyria in captivity, the northern part. How did it go? Not well. Right? They didn't do it. 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 Oh, a little bit over here. They did. They didn't do it again. They kept. And you have throughout it all, right? So you get this picture. This is the Old Testament. This is the picture. A faithful God, a loving God, steadfast in His love, always loving, always with the. And 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 they're spitting at Him, disloyal. Serving other gods, being like the other peoples, not being set apart, not being, that is terrible. It, it was, it was fantastic and is fantastic what God does. And, and then it's reasonable what the response should be. And then they don't do it. Okay. Okay. But Dax, but Dax, you say, what is that birth in you? What does that make you think? Because, because here's what it makes me think. I, I think, okay, it's reasonable that there's a path I should stay on. But it's actually not, a, I mean, we're talking about bottled lightning. We're talking about hand grenades. It's actually more like there's a mountain I have to climb. I mean, it's got to be a little dangerous if all these people didn't do it. But in my mind, I go here. And I think you probably do too. I think... Because I said it already. Those guys are putzes. I don't, I don't know if putz is even a word. And if it's not a good word, I'm sorry. But you get the idea. I think they didn't try hard enough. They didn't get it in their heart to incline their heart to the Lord. They didn't do what was right. You know what that makes me? I want to do what? Better. I see this thing that needs to be done and I think they didn't do it but 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 it was a simple response of how great God is I'm I'm going to get up that that mountain this is by the way a picture of El Capitan have you heard of El Capitan it's in Yosemite it's really nice every year hundreds of people get injured trying to climb it and then something happened this year for the first time there's a man who free climbed I didn't really know what free climbing is if they don't use ropes they just use his hands. And he free climbed that thing. He started at the bottom and he made it all the way to the top. You see, that, that's a little how we see it. We see it as a challenge. There's a challenge out there. I got to do it. I'm going to accomplish it. And finally, finally, somebody accomplishes it. He wrote a book about it. It's called Alone on the Wall or something. You know what? I want to read that book. Why? He did it. I don't want to read no books about people who fell and died. I want to read a book about the person who did it. The person who accomplished it. The person who went and finally they did it. And that's the person I, I, I look up to. I, I said, that's the guy I'm going to get. That's, I want to be like that. I'm going to do it, you see. What's his technique? 
How much chalk did he use? Do you have an existential moment on the wall? I just want to say that that's not the message of the Bible. Right? That's the message of my flesh. The message of my flesh is there's the mountain. Other people have failed. Let's give the axe a try. Kind of like Excalibur. Have you ever heard that? The sword and the stone thing? It's like everyone's tried to take the stone out. I want my go. I'm going to go to that. and I'm going to grab that sword and see if I'm king. And I'm going to try and get that sword out. And maybe I'll be King Arthur. Maybe I'll be the one. Maybe I'll be the hero. The message of the Bible is, is that you're standing at the base of this mountain and you're going, I can't. There's a story in Luke chapter 10. You probably know it. Jesus came. He came and he, to give the Sermon on the Mount, which we could go through and talk about this. But, but he gave this story that you know very well. A lawyer came up to him. They said, how, how do I teach your teacher, rabbi? How do I get to go to heaven? How do I get to be with God? And Jesus said back to him, he said, hey, do you know the mountain? Right? That's who said, hey, hey, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the guy said to him, he answered, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor is yourself. See, those two things, love God with everything and love your neighbor. And I know, and that's the summary of the law. And Jesus says to him, yes. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. There's the mountain. If you climb it, you will live. You know the story, right? The guy followed up with another question. He says, now, can you give me the exact instructions of how high I have to climb? Who exactly is my neighbor? If I know who I have to love, if I know the, then I'll get her done and I can get her done. And so then Jesus gives him a story back, right? And he gives him what's called the Good Samaritan, where he actually goes through this story of such incredible love for an absolute enemy and stranger that no one has it. That's the story. It's not like, well, let me the, the, the boundaries of your love are this and this, and if you go up this approach and you come up here, you'll get to the top. Good luck, son. No, he says, the mountain will crush you. He says, the love that's required is so high, no one will make it. I've heard of one guy. You're looking at him. That's Jesus who's talking. Right? Such amazing perfection is required. No one actually does it. What should happen is not a fleshly response saying, let's get back at it and I'm going to make it because I want my chance to be the hero and I want to show everybody say, look, Dax has the sword. No, instead we stand at the base of this mountain we look up and we say, you know what? That bar is so high, it crushes me. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, for example, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, he says, not at all. We've already charged that uh, all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. (laughs) No heroes in this mass of humanity. 
And that's why this is what the covenant was, what this law was. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So, so, so that's why we have it. We have this covenant and it's on display for us to see that generation after generation of God's people, his elect people, his people who were his that he chose, they didn't keep the law. They failed. Oh, there's one or two exceptions. Joshua did. I think he's a picture of Jesus all through his life. There's, there's exceptions through, right? But it's not exceptions that, 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 that show you the path. It's exceptions that prove the rule. You're toast. We're crushed. We're, we're humbled. And, and, and yet, and yet look at this. I mean, didn't we... Didn't we just talk about Hosea? And yet in Hosea, in chapter 2 in Hosea, there's this statement. Look what it says. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. There's this promise, you see. There's this forward-looking thing. It's beyond them. It's beyond them getting kicked out of the land. It's beyond their ability to have kept the covenant. It's beyond. There's something coming. We read it this morning in Isaiah. You will say in that day, in chapter 12, verse 1, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh, Yah, is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. If we're going to be a people who bear much fruit, if we are going to be a people who succeed, we have to stop being a people who bristle at you can't. Because the Bible speaks of a day when, when there's a coming salvation that is in spite of you can't. Right? We know it. We know that there is a, a perfect Savior who came. His name is Jesus. We know, we know that this is our salvation. We know that he's the only one that, that climbed up in this, our picture of El Capitan, who climbs up and does all the law perfectly. He lived perfectly, and then, and then he gives you his righteousness. He drops a lift. He brings you up himself. The whole story of the Bible is you can't, and the humility is receiving that he did, and, and the one who free climbed it, that incredible peak that you never will, is Jesus. And so we're in this fight of our lives to believe it, to, to constantly fight against our flesh that gets in there and says, no, 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 i got to be the hero, and, and no, 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 my kids need to do that too. I said that as a dad. I mean, every time my kids sin, it's like, why can't you be better? It's so obvious to me. You should be quiet when I'm talking. You should have a good attitude. You should obey me. Come on, I do all these things for you. I'm your dad. Listen to me. I sit there and yell, right? I disprove the gospel with every breath. If the gospel is that you can't, what am I doing? I'm training them that they can. Aren't I? Instead, I come to them now and say, you know what, kid? I got trouble too. The law of God is good and right. 
you should obey your parents. You're not doing it. I struggle right there. Don't we need a savior? That's so different. It's so different now to be thinking about what the gospel actually brings. It brings where, where, where I, I, in my flesh I get mad. People are talking. They're not being kind to me or thoughtful of me. I get mad at other people. They don't treat me with respect. And they ramble on about themselves. They don't listen or consider or have compassion for me. They should. Don't they know what I've been through? But, but, but wait a minute. The gospel is I'm sitting here looking at this mountain that I can't climb. I'm a failure. I don't deserve anything. I do know somebody. Or maybe I should say it differently. I'm known by the king. That does make me somebody. But it makes me somebody not in me. It makes me somebody in Christ. It makes you somebody in Christ too. That this is... This is our loyalty. This is what it means to actually say, okay, I'm believing this. I'm believing that Jesus did it all. I believe that Jesus paid it all. I believe my only hope is over there because the only other thing that hope might be in is over here, which is the technique to climb the wall and to make it as high as you can and maybe to get to the top if you're particularly motivated and particularly maybe aided by the wind or however you want to say it, that you're going to accomplish. And, and if that's not true, but the gospel's true, it starts to pull us. And I'll tell you what, we will be a community like no one's ever seen if we could be a community around this because what it breeds is transparency I am just who I am I don't have to hide it breeds unity because the connection that I have with you is Jesus and and, and it breeds this love because I love you because Jesus does not because you're beautiful and marvelous and halfway up the wall so so I call you to that today I, I call you to this reality that you can't but Jesus did and I, I believe that we, we, have to, we have to go from Joshua to get there. Because Joshua is put in place for us so we can see and witness and agree that our God is so faithful. He is so good and so kind. It is reasonable that we respond rightly. But nobody ever did. Neither do we. But we have this hope in Jesus. And it changes everything. So if you want to give thanks, give thanks for this. That Jesus really did pay it all. That our God, who is this God, now accepts us. This God who's chained lightning. This God who's, who, who, who's a grenade. He's so powerful and mighty and holy and other. And yet we come right into his presence because our God, our, our God in Christ is accepting of us. He who is holy hasn't diminished his holiness one whit. We who are common have become uncommon and holy in Jesus. Oh, we have much to rejoice in. Let's pray.